Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Joe Ross, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads now as we prepare for worship. This is your day, holy God. Every day belongs to you. We would empty ourselves before you, so there will be room for your entrance into our minds and hearts. Our times are in your hands. This precious gift of life is ours in trust from you. We give thanks for your steadfast love endures forever. That love expressed in the life of Jesus dared to challenge those centers of power that lived by other standards. We come to declare that love today. Reign among us, we pray. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Thank you. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Lord, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let us worship God. Like the people who greeted Jesus as he entered Jerusalem and later pronounced, crucify him, we are fickle people who often deny Christ in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Remembering the events of Jesus last week helps us see ourselves for what we are, sinners in need of a Savior. A Savior, praise God, we have in Christ. In honesty and hope, we confess now our sins to God. Sovereign God, 
We confess that we are as fickle as the crowds of Jerusalem. When everything seems to be going well, we join the Hosanna Chorus. But in times of weariness or rebellion, praise can turn to insult. We hide our faith when it is under attack and link ourselves with the scoffers. When there is opportunity to speak a good word for Jesus Christ, we are silent. Our church lists an uncertain word before the world, for we, its members, have not been faithful. We need your forgiving love today, O oh God, more than ever. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now, with believers down through the ages and across the globe, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us turn and greet our neighbors with the love of Jesus Christ. Good morning. If you haven't figured it out by now, it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> so we are grateful that you're with us on this, the beginning of our very sacred journey through Holy Week, and thankful that you're with us, whether you are residents here in Sarasota or perhaps you're visiting with us today. We're thankful that you're with us, and we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome, a place of warmth, and a place where you can find your own way to follow the Savior as he makes his way to the cross. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads in the pews and pass those along and hopefully 
that will give us uh, Church of the Palms folks a chance to identify some people we may not uh, be familiar with. That way we can continue, hopefully, in a conversation after our service today. Yes, this is the beginning of Holy Week, and we invite you to take a look in the bulletin of all the many ways by which you can be a part of our journey to the cross, uh, including this afternoon, uh, a four o'clock concert, Tale of Two Pianos, Jonathan and Genevieve, who've given us just a little taste of things to come. Uh, we'll be here uh, at four o'clock in the sanctuary, and it will be a delightful time of great music and uh, time of reflection as well. So we hope you'll join us for that, and tickets are available under the tree or uh, in the office, and we would love for you to um, be with us. And then uh, beginning tomorrow, we have a uh, 12 o'clock prayer and meditation time in our chapel, just right over there. If you, uh, during the course of the day, want to stop by between 12 and 1 and uh, be in a time of quiet reflection, devotional material will be made available for you, along with music for you to be uh, praying with and so we invite you to join us at 12 o'clock every day Monday through Friday of this week then of course Monday Thursday we will be here in the sanctuary at 630 for a service of Holy Communion and uh, come and join us as we participate with Jesus in his Last Supper on Good Friday we will be uh, beginning over in the campus center at 530 with a light uh, simple uh, Good Friday meal, and we invite you to that. And then from there, we will begin our journey through the Stations of the Cross, starting in the Campus Center and completing our journey here in the sanctuary. That will begin at 6.30, but come before that at 5.30 to enjoy some dinner. And uh, we hope that well will be a great time for you. And then on Easter, we will be at the beach at 6.30 in the morning, uh, dressed warmly dress casually, and uh, you might want to bring your own blanket. Um, there's a big mob of people out there, and we'd love to see as many of you come and join us at 6.30 on Lido Beach, uh, on, uh, just off of uh, St. Armand's Key. And then also, we'll be here in the sanctuary at 9 o'clock, in the garden at 9 o'clock, and here in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock, and in the garden at 11 o'clock as well. So, we had a great day yesterday with our Easter egg hunt. The campus was filled with uh, children and parents pushing aside their children trying to find Easter eggs. So <laughs> we are grateful for that wonderful day that we had together. Let's continue our worship.
Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, hear our praise as we join those who march with you that first Palm Sunday long ago. Let our songs and our hosannas announce to the powers of the world that you are Lord and the future belongs to you alone. Hear our prayers as we pray for suffering brothers and sisters around the world grant them freedom and security in which they can live and grow to enjoy life as you intend. Bless the leaders of the world that they might see new paths to peace, we pray. We pray for those who are ill and sick and those who are in grieving. We pray for those who are hungry or frightened or lonely. Give each the gift of grace needed for their care, we pray. Lead us to serve them in your name, Bless those who go in mission service into neighborhood and around the world. Bless those who serve in the military and keep them in safety and bring them home, we pray. Be with us throughout this holy week. Help us relive your journey and appreciate the sacrifice of your love and life given for us. Help us to walk and walk us through the gathering crisis. Hold us through Jesus' trial and humiliation and crucifixion. Stay with us, O God, in the dark days of the grave and be with us in the joy of the coming Easter morning, we pray. We bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, to you in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God by the giving of our offerings and tithings.
Let us pray. O God, we say he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Let that ring in our hearts all day long and in the days ahead. We give you thanks for your love that surrounds us at all times and all your blessings by bringing these gifts of checks and monies and our prayers and our dedication and our love for you. We pray that you receive all these for we bring them to you in our Lord and our King, Jesus himself. Amen. Please be seated as our children come into the sanctuary with Lori. With Lori. Good morning. Good morning. We're back. I think you guys would start right there. Ready to step back a little bit? There you go. Step back. Right up here. We're standing up right here. Come on. Come on. We need our little guys. Come on. Come here. We didn't get to practice much. All right. So. We want to show you what we're trying to do to follow God every day of our lives. So when we go up to kids' worship, when we leave this place, we actually do the Ten Commandments so we can try to learn them so that we can actually try to follow them. So um, that's what we want to show you today. It's not a performance. It's not perfect. It's just one of um, our spiritual disciplines that we do. So we're still making it in. Obviously, we're all just standing up in a big herd upstairs when we do this, so. And we're almost there. All right. Yep, right over there. Perfect. All right. I think we're ready. Number one, love God more than anyone. Love God more than anyone. Number two, love God more than anything. Number three, always say God's name with love and respect. Always say God's name with love and respect. Number four, rest on the Sabbath. Rest on the Sabbath. Number five, honor and love your parents. Honor and love your parents. Number six, never hurt anyone. Number seven, always be faithful to your spouse. Always be faithful for your spouse. Number eight, do not steal. Do not steal. Number nine, always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Number ten, be happy with what you have. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.
be seated. Our scripture this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter, beginning at the first verse. Great Palm Sunday story as recorded by the gospel writer Matthew. Hear the word of God. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything, just say this. The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple and he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that we may join that crowd on Palm Sunday shouting Hosanna, but that we may not join that crowd as they all flee to their own way to leave you alone. Allow us to learn more of what this day means, not just for you, but for us, that we may follow you wherever you go. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. In my last semester of my senior year at seminary, I joined most of my classmates in search of God's call to our first church. As the process unfolded, a church up in Western Pennsylvania had invited me to come to interview with them. So they booked Amanda and me on an early Saturday Saturday morning flight so that we could be with them before lunch and for the interview. I was excited about meeting these people and about the possibilities of ministering with them. We certainly wanted to make a good impression. So when Saturday morning came around and I woke up, I realized something strange. What I realized was that I had not awakened to the sound of my alarm clock. The second thing I realized is that it seemed very light out for 5.30 in the morning. The third thing I realized was that it was not 5.30 in the morning. It was, a, it was 7.30 in the morning. Fourth thing I realized was that our plane was due to take off in half an hour. And the fifth thing I realized was that the airport was an hour away. Having realized all these things, I awakened my dear wife with somewhat of a start, and I said, Amanda, we missed our flight. We slept through the alarm. We missed our flight. What are we going to do, she asked. I said, we go to plan B. She said, okay, great. What's plan B? I said, I have no idea. (laughs) You will not be surprised to learn that I did not turn out to be plan A for that church in Western Pennsylvania. I want to talk to you today about when there is no plan B. 
want to talk to you about when plan A is the only plan. Most of you know the story of Palm Sunday, the story that we just read of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, a story that actually begins several chapters before in the Gospels. We typically think that Palm Sunday begins on Sunday when Jesus stands at the top of the Mount of Olives and begins his descent into Jerusalem, but actually the story begins weeks, if not months before, when Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the northernmost regions of Israel, and it's there that Jesus tells his disciples that now's the time when he is going to turn and make his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to, and Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of the rulers, and he will be put to death, and on the third day he will be raised. Now, you may remember from a few weeks ago the story of Peter, when Peter hears this and says to Jesus, ah, no way, not going to happen. He had just confessed that Jesus was Messiah, but his plans for Messiah to suffer and die on the cross were not the plans that Peter had in mind. His plan was something else. Jesus may have had his plan A, but Peter had his plan B. Peter says, I don't like your plan A. I want to go to plan B. And Jesus says in rather graphic language, get thee behind me, Satan. Because, Peter, there's no plan B. There's only a plan A. Messiah means cross. That's where the Palm Sunday story begins. It begins with Jesus a long ways away from Jerusalem, turning his sights toward Jerusalem and accepting for his life the only plan, and the plan is the cross. So it should be no surprise to us that when Palm Sunday does finally roll around, Jesus has a plan. He's already put in place a couple of animals that will be in the parade down the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem. Jesus knows the symbolism. He knows Zechariah's prophecy that he will be riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He will become the king who rides in on, in the terms of peace. Jesus knows what he's going to do when he gets there. He knows that things are going to be upset a bit. He's going to overturn a few tables and chairs in the temple. He's going to unmistakably declare that the temple should not be about the practices of money changing and bird selling. He's going to reestablish the house of God as the house of prayer. All this is going to get him in enormous trouble. It's going to lead him finally to the cross. Messiah means cross. And the reason it's going to lead through the cross is because the world needs to be redeemed. This is God's plan, to reconcile the world to himself, to take upon himself the sin of the world, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is plan A. The world is to be redeemed. It is the mission of Christ. It is the purpose of Christ. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. No plan B. It's always been about plan A. Now, not that there did not come a moment when Jesus would have preferred plan B. Four days from now, we will sit with Jesus at table and in the garden, a day away from his own crucifixion, and we will hear Jesus pray. We will hear him say to his Father in heaven, let this cup pass from me. Just another way of saying, Lord, I know about plan A. But could there be a plan B? And his Father in heaven says, no, there is only one plan, plan A. Plan A is to reconcile the world to God through the cross. And Jesus stays with the plan. So I want to talk to you about what happens when there is no plan B. Now I know of course, that life is filled with lots of plan B's and C's and D's and F's. We live in a fast-changing world. Things are changing all the time, and they say the key to success is the ability to be flexible, the ability to move from one plan to the next, from A to B to C to D, back to A maybe. Rigidity does not work in the global economy. What you think you're doing now, you're likely not to be doing five years from now. So there may be many of us who are looking at life and seeing all kinds of paths and plans and options and things to pursue. And if there's anything from which we might suffer in this day and age, it is that we have many options, many plans from which to choose. 
But you know, life gets filled with so many choices, so many options, so many plans, that we can lose sight of the one big choice, the one big plan. A life filled with many choices, many plans, gets to be a little bit like a pinball inside a pinball machine, bouncing from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and a calendar full of stuff with no rudder, with no point in the horizon toward which to sail. Sometimes there has to be no other plan but plan A. This month marks the 150th anniversary of one of America's greatest speeches, the second inaugural address of one Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, whose election came at perhaps the most critical moment in American history when the nation was splitting in two. And Lincoln took office with one plan, plan A, the abolition of slavery and the preservation of the Union, plan A. No plan B. Four years of civil war, embarrassing setbacks for the Union, over a half million dead, but still plan A. And as Lincoln prepared for his second term, he spoke to the country in front of the Capitol and said, with malice toward none, and with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and for his orphan, and to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in. Plan A, because there is no plan B. A hundred years later, to the very month, a group of American citizens assembled on Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, prepared to march to Montgomery to press for the freedom to vote. On their first attempt, they were met with the brutal and punishing force of state and local government. Bloodied and broken and bruised, they retreated. But there was no plan B, only plan A. Two more times they took to the bridge and on their third approach, the police stepped aside and they marched to Montgomery. Plan A, because there is no plan B. Several years ago, I got a call in the early morning from the hospital. A young high school student in the church where I was serving, a hockey player at the local high school had taken a header into the board the night before was lying in a coma in intensive care. His parents on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. What do you do when you're on a cruise ship in the Caribbean and your son's on life support a thousand miles away? Well, there's only one plan. It's plan A. You're gonna get there. You don't take no for an answer from the captain of the ship. You move heaven and earth so that you get to your boy. And move heaven and earth they did, and inside of 24 hours, include flight, including fighting through an ice storm, you get to your boy's bedside in time to see him open his eyes and to get well. So maybe we, we can understand the will of this Nazarene rabbi, who knows he's more than the Nazarene rabbi. Jesus of Nazareth, God and flesh, desperate to reconcile the world to himself, to draw all creation unto God. Maybe we can understand the heart of Jesus as he makes his descent down the Mount of Olives. There is no plan B. There are no 563 cable channels. There are no exit ramps to friendlier destinations. There is no escape route out the back door. There is only this because only this matters. This is what matters to God. God and Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so what Palm Sunday begs to ask us, we who gather along the parade route, we who watch the Messiah make his way, what Palm Sunday asks us is this, what matters? To see the Savior mounted on the donkey making his entry into the city, 
a city that wants nothing to do with him, but he must enter nonetheless. What, we, what, can't, what he can't keep himself from doing is going into that city. And the question is, what can we not keep ourselves from doing? What are the non-negotiables? What is the rudder of the ship? What's the point on the horizon? What is the plan A? You remember the Jack Palance character, Curly, in the movie City Slickers? When Mitch Robbins, played by Billy Crystal, the stretched out baby boomer, gets out into the West to deal with his little midlife crisis, he's riding now with little crusty old Curly on a cattle drive, and he wonders about the meaning of life. And the old cattle hand lifts up his finger and says, it's this. And Billy Crystal says, your finger? <laughs> he says, no, it's this, one thing. Okay, well, what's the one thing? One thing. Okay, well, what's the one thing? And Curly says, that's the point. It's one thing, and you have to figure it out. And that's what the Nazarene wonders with us. What is this one thing, this non-negotiable, the plan A that leaves no room for plan B? Because if there's anything that Jesus understands is that the cheering crowd of Palm Sunday will soon turn into the jeering crowd on Good Friday. Pinballs them like the rest of us, bounced around by the craziness of life, going toward the whim of every moment. Oh, it's so easy to get distracted, so easy to get set off course, so easy to lose our bearing to find ourselves so far down the alphabet that we forgot plan A a long time ago. But the world needs one who will not be deterred, one who will make his way from the cheers to the jeers, because some things are non-negotiable. Life magazine several years ago asked a wide range of people if they would try to explain the meaning of life. And they asked an 11-year-old boy, Jason Gaze, who had been diagnosed with cancer, what he thought the meaning of life was. And this was his amazing response. When my friend Kim died of cancer, I asked my mom, if God was going to make Kim die when she was only six, why did he make her born at all? But my mom said, even though she was only six, she changed people's lives. And what that means is like her brother or sister could be the scientist that discovers the cure for cancer. And they decided to do that because of Kim. And like me too, I used to wonder, why did God pick on me and give me cancer? Well, maybe it was because he wanted me to be a doctor who takes care of kids with cancer so that when they say, Dr. Jason, I get so scared, or Dr. Jason, you don't know how weird it is to be the only bald kid in your whole school, I can say, oh yes, I do. I had cancer, and look at all my hair now. Sounds like a plan A to me.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.